Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, they get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we put them back in their houses for f***ing years. Welcome along to the GER on a Thursday. Myself and Connor are here. Connor is away up in Derry somewhere. Um, there's only one place to start. Oh, hello to our YouTube users. I'm going to get used to saying that now, Connor. So, hello to our YouTube users. How's it going? So we're going to start giving YouTube a little bit more of a push. There's one or two people actually looking at it on YouTube. <laughs> <Right now>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for looking at it. Um, one place to start. We talked about uh, violence in the GA and the Down um, County or league match and those horrible scenes that we saw there. And we're going to start on a similar vein here because there's a video has emerged of the Leash Hurling County Final uh, where Ross King, Leash captain, got really, really bad injuries. Um, got his lip completely uh, split. There's talk he got teeth knocked out now. I'm not sure if they were knocked out. Um, they were definitely bent back and loosened. And he just got braces off recently. So, like, I mean, it's a complete disaster. And to be honest, the video doesn't paint cameras in a very good light there's a few really really wild pulls that would warrant red cards on their own and then as Ross King come up, comes over in response to the wild pulls not really a third man in because there wasn't a melee or anything and looked like where you see in hurling all the time you come in and give a shoulder kind of to back up your teammate and he was met with the butt of a hurl straight into his face now if you're holding the hurl up at the end of the hurl like all hurlers I know do that hurl won't go into the face guard. You have to leave a few inches on it for it to go in through. Yeah. So for me, it was a disgusting challenge. The referee only gave a yellow cards to the wild pulling and to this challenge. The Rat Down Earl uh, management went after the linesman and the referee at half time, and there was a bit of an altercation in the in the tunnel. And the linesman told him that he advised the referee to give a straight red because they had told the linesman you had the best view of that. He told the referee to give a straight red. The referee gave a yellow. 
So like you can make of that whatever you want. So the Leash yeah. County Board have a really big decisions to make here because we've seen re- we've seen pictures doing the rounds in social media, which as far as I'm concerned would make me sick to my stomach that players would revel in the fact of the Leash hurling captain Ross King Ross um, Ross King that the injuries that he got how could you be how could you revel in that how could you yeah. make fun of that like I mean Ross King is well known sound fellow we've had him on the show here and he's leash hurling captain and to kind of enjoy the fact that he at the time they thought that his teeth were knocked out and for pictures to be doing the rounds of a leash teammate of his stripping back his teeth making a jeer of it I just I can't comprehend the mentality of it and as far as I'm concerned it's brought leash hurling into disrepute and the leash county board need to take a serious just because the referee gave a yellow card that is not good enough punishment for, as far as I'm yeah. concerned like I, I would imagine that um, whoever was responsible for the pictures might try and say that oh we only meant to send it you know amongst ourselves that's even, irrelevant even, uh, completely irrelevant but even if they even if that wasn't the case how would you how, how, how would you deem this worthy of after our derision or send it around thinking oh you know what will get a great reaction now if I send around this picture of us with smiling with our teeth out when a guy is just has his, has, had his teeth like, knocked I, out I can only uh, can only speak from my point of view of playing with Port Leash and Leash and any team I've been on and if something like that happened it never did happen I can imagine us going in the pub Jesus you know, we did, didn't expect that to happen. I hope nothing comes of this. Yeah, you'd, be, exactly. you'd be worried about the reaction. Yeah, you yeah. wouldn't be posing for pictures, jeering what's after happening. And that's just an insight into the mentality of that club. And that's what I, that's all I'll say. Well, I, I know there was some, like, uh, like obviously there, there was a lot of comments kind of left after and there were some people saying that oh, it, was a, it was a kind of a protective act, as you were kind of saying what? there. I for know, me it wasn't. Of course, but that, that, that's what was being claimed. But even if it was, even if it was an act of protection and even if it was accidental in 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 that case you'd at least have some sympathy you know if if you did it deliberately it far it goes far beyond sympathy if i did if you do something like that deliberately and you see what's happened to Ross King you have shame you have complete remorse yeah never mind sending you know being involved in pictures and sending it to somebody you know la- openly laughing at this guy like yeah. you imagine how Ross King feels about it it went up in one Snapchat calling him the tooth fairy now it wasn't the the fella who did it's Snapchat it was someone else but at yeah. the same time like it's I mean, it's just, so. it's it's rotten. It's absolutely rotten. So the Leeds County Board, the word I have is that they're going to meet tonight and look at the video. And like I mean, it, I think there's a huge spotlight on the Leeds County Board to set a good example. Because I'm going to move on to another example, and this was in the Limerick Leader today. And like I mean, I'm trying to talk about this as being a nationwide problem and a culture of trying to get off with incidents where you don't deserve we remember John Milan famously saying yeah. I took taking his punishment I don't deserve to to get off it and took his punishment that culture doesn't exist anymore now it's let's get off on technicalities mm. let's get off whatever we can so there's a a, a letter that uh, Bally Steen GA Club uh, sent into the Limerick leader so one of their one of their players received a really serious um, injury in the Limerick football quarterfinal between Ballysteen and Bally Landers. So this is what the letter says. Now this is this is from the Ballysteen chairman Alan Kyo. So I'm writing to express our disappointment following an incident that took place during the senior football match between Ballysteen and Bally Landers. The match took place on Saturday, September 29th, between or when Ballysteen and Bally Landers played the quarterfinal Limerick Senior Football Championship. During the game, one of our players received an unprovoked elbow to the face at one point in the game, in which he did not have possession of the ball. He had to immediately leave the field and could not continue. The Ballylanders players who 
Ballylander player who inflicted the injury received a red card and was sent off immediately so at least that's something more mm. than poor Ross King um, incident the extent of the Ballysteen player's injuries were discovered upon medical examination and included the following cheekbone fracture lower eye socket fracture and bone behind the eyebrow fracture the player was sent to University Hospital uh, later that evening for x-ray and the above facial injuries were discovered. Due to, this, due to severe bruising and swelling, an operation was deferred until October the 4th. In addition to the facial reconstruction, a plate was inserted which will remain for life and he suffered a numbness on the side of his face and jaw and surgeons have advised that he may not recover due to the nerve damage sustained in the blow. The player who inflicted this injury received a straight right card and automatically a one-match ban must be served. However, in this instance, the red card was overturned on appeal right this is another just, this would just make you sick yeah. right so the letter went on to say the player the perpetrator moved 20 or 30 yards and inflicted a single blow to the face captured on match video and, uh, and this is the county board chairman says he's asking the county board to investigate how such an appeal was successful um, the Ballysteen Club want to make it clear we harbour no animosity so Ballylanders or Ballylanders now the successful appeal against the unprovoked assault to our player raises questions on the integrity of Limerick GA's disciplinary system and sets an example for both adult and junior players around the county that this is completely unacceptable that's beyond belief again like yeah. I mean this is a culture I keep saying it this is county boards the politics the the incompetence all these things and I scratch your back you scratch mine mm-hmm. I'll get your lad off you you vote for me the next time all this thing is happening so mm-hmm. how someone who caused that kind of damage with uh, video evidence got his uh, got his appeal successful it's just beyond belief why would you even want your, uh, to appeal a decision after course, causing that yeah, kind of damage yeah. but this is this culture of getting off right because earlier on this year um, there was a huge fight remember in the under 20 between Armagh yeah, and Tyrone yeah. right so 10 players 10 Armagh players were hit with suspensions right because they, they moved on it was highlighted more with Armagh because Tyrone were knocked down and Armagh were going to play Derry in the final so 10 of them received uh, proposed suspensions so we all saw it happened on the field fellas left the bench the whole lot right so instead of going again I'm talking about the culture instead of kind of going right well in fairness Lots of lads got involved and it was ugly scenes. We're going to have to take our suspension like a man and hopefully this, the lads will learn a good lesson from moving up to senior level that this kind of thing isn't tolerated. Mm-hmm. Instead of that, their manager, Peter McDonald says, this goes back to the under-20s being used as guinea pigs. What Would this happen at senior inter-county level? Um, they would hone in on a couple of people and make examples on them. So, like, I mean, his idea was to come out fighting, say that they're being used as guinea pigs, say that it wouldn't happen at senior level. So they ended up appealing it. They, they all got off bar two. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's so crazy, now, yeah. So this is the appeals process. <coughs> so they went to the Ulster Hearings Committee um, and to decide on the proposed uh, suspensions and they ended up getting off. And they, if they hadn't got off that time, they were willing to go to the DRA, the Disputes Resolution um, Authority again. And I think... That's, that's, that, that's the past. That's the well-trodden path the, of everything. That they all do yeah, it. Anything. And they're all, we've seen high-profile red cards at senior inter-county that are deserved red cards yeah. get off. Oh, any amongst them. Getting solicitors that have no uh, knowledge of GE and they're getting off on technicalities. Yeah. That's what those RMA players got off on, on technicalities. That's the initial reaction. So what how, technicality can we get so off? So how <laughs> is this culture going to 
change because I, I actually think that these new DRAs and these new methods for getting off these uh, things and technicalities is almost giving players free reign. We're getting off. Sure, look at the Armalas. Eight of them got off. Yeah. One in, all in, lads. One in, all in. We'll get you off. I'm telling you, this is all contributing to this. County boards that, uh, number one, I think have a huge issue with county boards all over the country. Some might be okay. I think the structure of them's all wrong. They're amateur era and the GA has moved on from there and the GA need to seriously look at putting somebody into every county board that, that is not ingrained and is not voted to the top and is not part of that uh, yeah. kind of structure that's there already because like I mean it's just it's it's not helping anyone well that that that's it for a start the problem is the exact culture that we've talked about every single incident that we've mentioned there and going back to I remember Lee Keegan getting off from the technicality before um he got he kicked out of Donegal Welch in an yeah. Ireland semi-final Kevin Keane Jeremy Connolly these are all in recent years in games of Valvin Mayo yeah and always it was and like fans come to accept this as well it's like you see and I know these are way down they're nothing in compared to what the guy did in Limerick but fans look to it as well it's like oh Lee Keegan was very carded there oh, wait you know we'll probably probably yeah. go to the CCC and probably go to the DRA and you know what he'll probably be fit to okay to play next yeah. Saturday sure wasn't it Owen Mulligan telling us and it's almost funny looking out back at it now that the Battle of Oma that huge fight that mm. spilled over near and was dangerous up in Oma they all got off as well yeah, I know and probably knew probably had an idea afterwards that like oh despite the fact there was a massive route that rightly attracted national attention for all the wrong reasons that yeah. oh, we're probably going to get off anyway I mean like so how like how will this end how will this stop because like I mean the question is here is this a new phenomenon with gym culture and all this or has this always gone on only there was no mobile phones to to record them and I think the truth lies somewhere in between it those is, two it's, things it's, yeah it's, it's, it's somewhere in between but like the first what people will never do what people never do in the GAA is look themselves in the mirror first so if we are like Peter McDonald, just because of what's gone on before, his initial reaction as soon as that brought that was him wrong. Out, yeah, but that's it. Like Should have taken his medicine well, there. Like, well, like, why am I not looking? Like, everybody has seen this. Everybody has seen this massive brawl in the middle of the pitch. Ten players, including subs, that have sprinted off from the bench in to get involved in this big, massive fight. And I'm not thinking about whether they are right to be punished. No. I'm thinking about how can I, how and I can get them and off. Even even like Stevie McDonald, our own Stevie McDonald, he came out complaining about it. And Oshi McConville, like proper GA men, like, you know, they're still. Armand like, men, I know. I don't yeah, Armand men. It's this kind of, like, whether you like it or not, nobody looks at the bigger picture. They try to sort their own thing, they yeah. try to get off always. their own thing. And that's always the cut. But how, that, for, then there's no solution to this. Well, the only, the only, the only su- suggestion that I've heard that makes any way sense, whether it can be introduced in the GA, is that a, a, a central disciplinary body comes yeah. in that independently reviews all these incidents. But you see, you get that. Now there's an appeals process. Uh, you know what no, I mean? I like, no, I mean, yeah. uh, I don't know. Yeah. So, like, I mean, you obviously have your local CCCs and they'll rule on it, which they did rule on it, the Armagh, so you can't even accuse the Armagh County Board. Then it was appealed to the Ulster Hearings Committee that got the, you know what I mean, got yeah. them off. So, like, I, I mean... Like, does it exist in the GAA? Like, I, I think we've mentioned it before. Do you know where frivolous appeals are punished? But, like, but like there's no frivolous yeah. appeals in the GAA because they all, they're, most of them are successful. But if you, if you appeal something as what sounds to me that Limerick incident yeah. I haven't seen the video but it sounds ridiculous for somebody that ran 30 yards elbow somebody and then a player has to get a facial reconstruction that he has a one game first start one game yeah. run is completely wrong and then he gets that overturned on appeal so that if you appeal something like that that, that the some disciplinary body would say you, you can't be seriously telling me you're appealing yeah. a one game ban for somebody that has caused somebody to get a facial reconstruction and if they appeal it 
that then they get six months as a result or something like that. Like it requires a complete overhaul of the appeals process. But then you're getting you're getting mumbled, you're getting mumbled in legal legal, legal stuff where everyone's entitled to a leave of yeah, a, a option. Yeah. It has to be pointed out that this is the Ballysteen GA Club's side of events. Of course, they say of course, that they yeah. say they have video evidence of it. So I'd be interested to hear the Ballylanders. Yeah, yeah. um, so. There's no names mentioned or anything in that, but it's definitely interesting if that's the extent of the injuries and if t- if they say the video evidence, like I wonder what the Leash or the Limerick County Board have seen to allow that appeal that appeal be squashed. Like I mean, if, well, if it took place away it, from play, I like I don't know what the counter no. the counter evidence is. Like, did it happen for an in innocuous shoulder? Obviously not, because it was away from the play. So I like I don't maybe the I would imagine that in this case the video evidence maybe not be. I, I actually, I actually can't think of any yeah. any reason how 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 it was overturned. Yeah. that's just come that's video. just come to light today. So we might get a look a little bit more into that um, for next week's shows. Championship draws on tonight, Connor is probably past most people by. Um, I don't want to say too much about this. Every year I give out about this, so it's yeah, fifty three days after the hurling final, and it's thirty nine days after the football final, and now we're into next year's draw. Just when we were trying to build up a bit of excitement around the club game and we're hitting county finals time. Um, not only is it terrible, terrible timing, it is completely underwhelming because mm. now there's no hurling draw anymore. So there's no Munster Championship draw. It's it's on round robin. So it all all it is is a matter of saying who plays who when because they all have to play each other. Yeah. Um, like there is uh, the, it, the Munster and Leinster uh, championships in hurling. The round robins are going to go over six weeks this year instead of five last year, which has given a bit of breeding room, which is fair enough. Um, and I think the CCCC are expected to ask Central Council to do away with hurling uh, quarterfinals next year, which would make absolute sense as well. They're a damn squib, mm. even though there was a brilliant one last year between, wasn't it, Clare and Limerick went to extra time. But anyways, so now you're getting to football. So the draw is football. So Leinster, forget about it. The only thing you care about in Leinster is who gets on the opposite side yeah, of Dublin, Dublin yeah. to get hammered in a Leinster final. <laughs> so basically that's the excitement around Leinster. Who avoids Dublin? Who's on the other side? So Mead, K- Mead, Kildare would love to avoid Dublin. Leash, oh, look, they all would. I'd yeah. say probably Kildare mostly because that would be a decent Leinster it's final. final yeah. um, and that's all the interest is there. Munster, I'm not even going to say any more about that. Uh, Connacht, who gets the Roscommon draw? Will we call it the Roscommon draw now? Who gets into that well, handy? See, Connacht is different because Mayo have New York. It's their turn and it's Galway's turn to play London. So it, that there's not even... Too, uh, I know there's different sides of the draw, but like a, large, a lot of that is predetermined already. So they're avoiding each other to the final? Uh, I, I'm not sure in terms of the sides of the draw, but I know Mayo are definitely in New York next year and Galway are definitely in London. Right. So so you're on Valencia right, there. So forget about that. So and the Ulster, it's basically the Ulster it's Championship. It's basically draw. the Ulster Championship. And let's be honest, like I can say this when you're here and Conan and Stevie <laughs> yeah. McDonald can't attack me, a lot of the Ulster counties are also runs. Uh, the Downs the Derries are historically prestigious counties but they're just not anymore Cavan mm-hmm. brilliant All-Ireland winning loads of All-Irelands not at the races nationally anymore so you really have got uh, Monaghan Donegal and Tyrone that are at any decent level up there 
so that's the championship yeah, draw yeah. really up there so there's not even even Ulster which you would get excited yeah. about like that's not even that exciting anymore but you know what at least they get a date to be it that the manager can shout at the players yeah. when they're running through the shit and muck in, in December they can say oh it's all about May 26 and it's still like six months away yeah. but it just goes back to we've said this loads of times before the Gaelic Football Championship is the GA's biggest product and biggest competition and it's the thing they do the worst job of marketing yeah no exactly so we'll definitely get on somebody from the GA very soon to have a chat about a lot of things um, pretty much the year in general and maybe some of the broadcasting stuff some of this violence jeez you could do a full uh, show yeah, <laughs> good luck to <laughs> right Owen Murphy has been complaining on Twitter and rightly so um, his sister is due to play two provincial finals with her clubs this is in London so she plays with Tara uh, Camogie and she plays with Kingdom Kerry Gales in football um, and she's not the only dual player with these two clubs Sarah McNichol from Antrim and Lucy Hawks Hawks from Cork so both games are provincial finals both games are on Sunday both games are going to take place at the same time only they're going to take place 200 miles apart from each other so it's just absolutely shocking stuff really like I mean that this would this would happen again it's Helen Murphy his own sister you see a lot of these comments and like I mean I, I, sometimes I feel sorry for the GEA because like and when often people say the GEA who they're talking about like it's obviously GEA management in Crow Park right mm-hmm. When everything goes wrong, the GEA get blamed. Even though the the, the culprits are often county boards who yeah. won't keep the who won't stick to their fixtures, who listen to county managers all the time, who won't do things properly, the GEA get it. So, like, I mean, I see comments online about the GEA. Like, this is the LGFA. It's nothing yeah. to do yeah, with yeah, the GEA. Yeah, yeah. The GEA offered the LGFA to come on board under the same umbrella as GA and they were turned down this was under Peter O'Neill who's a leash man's uh, tenure so I'm not even going to entertain the GEA being given out so Owen Murphy tags into women's GPA and I don't fancy his chances getting a response to them because I left them a voicemail maybe six weeks ago and I'm still waiting on the response their response to the whole Carnacon and Mayo thing was pathetic mm. um, to put, put it mildly they tagged in ladies football and official camogie so I don't know really know where people are, are using that as a stick to be the GEA when it's nothing to do was GA yeah. and let's hope that the LGFA kind of at least go fix this mess because that's not fair that's yeah. like, I mean that wouldn't happen at, no it, like no matter how bad things get within the GEA it wouldn't go that no. bad it's an awful situation to be in uh, just reading up about it there uh, she's played with the, the Hurling team for 10 years yeah. the Camogie team sorry for 10 years she's vice captain I think she's played with the football team for 9 years I assume she knows the girls who play on both teams so well and doesn't want to let any of them down She's even thinking about the one of the solutions offered, which sounds crazy to me, but I'm sure because there's actually a viable chance of her playing the two games and, and, and all the girls playing the two games, they might entertain it, is that the football game to be played in London on the Saturday morning and that all the girls go get a train 200 miles to York and play the Camogie game in the, or it could be vice versa. But The, the next day or later no, that day? No, later that day, yeah, because apparently... Um, while while these night might not be in under the the body of the GA, they they, they kind of possess the same stubbornness and that like <laughs> n- n- neither side wants to step down, uh, neither side wants to be seen to be give way from what uh, from what Helen Murphy was saying about it. So at the step moment, step down. I know. Because you, you, like, how can you not step down from fixing two games on the same same time involving the same be, players? Be the bigger person. Be the bigger body. You about don't even it, have to be the bigger person. You have to yeah. just use your brain. Of course, yeah. You know, yeah. like it's crazy. But like, the fact that this happened, they double down on it like yeah, that. The same year that. Uh, 
that uh, Kieran Malloy and Liam Silk had to yeah. play a club semi-final and then yeah. head off to play a Sigurds in final just crazy yeah that was crazy and the, and the GEA definitely got it from that because that is a, a, a structural issue yeah. which the GEA can uh, potentially fix um, Peter Keane has been uh, confirmed as the new Kerry manager a little bit underwhelming for me um, rated all right in Kerry from my sources like it's not a Jim McGuinness type appointment or anything but Donny Buckley's on the ticket which is absolutely important Huge, yeah. Morris Fitzgerald is on the ticket which gives it that star quality and Tommy Griffin who is a great stalwart and James Foley as well so the, the, the whole management team looks a good one as a whole yeah so like I mean you look at it often the manager like he's do a lot of delegation once your backroom team is solid they're taking care of the nuts and bolts of it you know like I mean then manager really will have to talk about a game plan Tony Buckley can influence that strongly you know then he might be responsible for changes during matches he has to he has to chat with Tony Buckley now I'm not painting Peter Keane as someone who doesn't know what he's talking about at all it's just maybe not a star quality one like I mean he's clearly a good manager and has has a good football brain so that the point I'm making is the management team in total looks a really strong one. Yeah, you said your so, your sources in Kerry say he's all right, but remind you have to remember the sort of standards in Kerry well, are so high, so he can be really really good. But uh, what struck me about it was that um, he he has still got Morris Fitzgerald on board, despite the fact that Morris Fitzgerald was considered a contender in yeah. his own right. So I don't know, maybe maybe they know each other kind of well, and and that was an arrangement that that, that Peter Keenan. Peter Keane had agreed in advance that Morris Fitz would come on board but from the outside it strikes strikes me that like Peter Keane must be confident enough that he's okay to have somebody on board that was a competitor for the same job um, Donny Buckley big thing um, just heard Aidan O'Shea talking this week reckons that Kerry will get way more defensively solid as a result of uh, Donny Buckley coming on board and like I just over the years hearing Mayo players talk about as well as him being a really good thinker on the game and tactical thinker in the game that they, he improved their tackling no end and right. I think that was evident uh, we've often talked here about one of the reasons that Mayo could kind of face Dublin one on one in like line up their defenders one on one against the Dublin attackers was athletically they could match up with them but because they could tackle them hard as well and from what I believe that Donny Buckley has, has had a huge kind of influence on that too and just from defensively I think him Fitzmaurice would probably even say that his biggest issue was 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 trying to sort out the heart of that defence in particular, but a defensive structure, whether to go sweep or whether yeah, to go not. So exactly. if Tony Buckley and like in tandem with Peter Keane, the lads is going to devise a better strategy for Kerry, then it, it sounds good. But I think the Kerry County Board are already talking about Sam next year, so no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Well, that's what Tim Murphy. So Tim Murphy is kind of into a bit of self congratulations anyway. So <laughs> he says, uh, I thought this was funny. I'll do, might as well just read it out. So this Tim Murphy, delighted with himself really for picking this manager now because it dragged on a little bit and he's yeah. like, well, look, it was difficult, whatever. So he says, to get to the stage, we got to, took a bit of an effort an effort all worthwhile that is down to the calibre of people Peter Twiss Terence Houlihan and Eamon Whelan who were there along by myself <laughs> they didn't deviate at all notwithstanding the external <laughs> pressures <laughs> get in there yeah. you? what a panel yeah. Jeez, you came through for <laughs> Kerry Fair play to them for unearthing this manager from nowhere. Yeah, yeah, who was with, with the miners. Like, I mean, yeah. it's a classic, really. So, like, I mean, really, the next All Ireland winning Kerry captain needs to dedicate this hour to Tim. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Before I thank the players, I want to thank. There are four men we have to thank. Yeah. Um, right, I think we have time for Aidan O'Shea was talking, he was doing the media rounds. Um, and he was talking about himself being a team player and I don't know where he ha- it's almost having to defend himself for being a divisive figure 
and th- for me I don't see him being anything but a team player and any, I think anyone that knows anything about Gaelic football will say Aidan O'Shea is the ultimate team player if anything else so he's saying talk to James Horan talk to Stephen Rochard Pat Holmes Noel Kennelly he said uh, I'm, I'm a very conforming individual in terms of being a team player maybe it's the way I'm built but if I see something we can improve on I'm not going to shy I'm not going to sit by and say nothing I don't think I don't think you want anyone like that anywhere I don't think you want anyone like that anywhere that's not divisive we want to improve things I'd like to um, I'd be like that and it doesn't go anywhere beyond that I think the the kind of thing that Aidan O'Shea is a prima donna and this is the Bernard Flynn selfies yeah, things yeah, and all yeah. that like I mean I think it's unfair he's played in all positions on the field without any problems at all does his best is a hard worker um, leaves it all out into the field so for him to have to to have to defend himself from not being a team player I thought they were strange quotes well, I, th- I think there's you and I know there's one person to blame for all this. Well, it's it's Jimmy Sloane, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the O'Shea's, the O'Connors, Andy Moore, and they rule that dressing room. So when that video goes so viral, it's no, it's no surprise that people think that O'Shea is so divisive. But now I'd say he is a big voice in the dressing room. I think I'd so. I'd say there's no doubt about that. Now whether like I mean not to Coruscanton levels, I would imagine. <laughs> no, <but> no, no. <laughs> or Fiona McHale, yeah, levels. But like I mean, I think at the same time, if he, I, I don't think there's anything wrong if a player sees something to say. Now, uh, when you're asked, I think, is the most important thing. I think that was one thing that the Mayo ladies were just given their opinions when they weren't really wanted. There always comes a point in the year where managers will ask you what you think, and that's when you let them know what you think. Uh, Or in a team meeting, when all players are asked what they think. That's the environment to say what you want. And there's there's nothing wrong with it. No, no. I think it would be a common perception uh, about the Mayo footballers that a lot of the standards there while they were brought in by James Horn and kind of brought on again by Stephen Rochford and, and the other managers was that a lot of it is player driven and like the, the standards are kept so high because the players kind of demand that it be kept so yeah. high but just like I whether because it's maybe it's because it's from Mayo but like I, I would have I would hear that perception about Aidan O'Shea that he's a divisive figure um, and I think it's just because Is I there a grain of truth to it or am no, I getting I, well, I, I don't think so but I think it's purely because of his his profile and I, I think it's going back to the Bernard Flynn selfies thing I can't think of any other footballer or many other footballers in the country that would have been the subject of a ridiculous like it wasn't even an accusation but such a big deal was made about a player taking selfies with a with with a bunch of kids after the game I think there's only a few players in the country that would be that could be at the centre of a a story like that and and one of them is Aidan O'Shea I think the Noel Canelli or Twitter followers or Instagram followers dig was aimed at him as well yeah yeah. maybe this is all leading into this I I was about to say that the only tangible evidence and and you could could, it's definitely doubtable evidence uh, about Aidan O'Shea potentially being a divisive figure goes back to uh, the interview that uh, Pat Holmes and Noel Canelli would have given uh, after to Martin Brehany after they left the setup, obviously under um, under certain circumstances at the end of 2015, and there was stuff about Aidan O'Shea wanting to do the toughest that time, and there was stuff about him, uh, there was stuff about him, you know, having an influence on kickout strategy and stuff like that, and that was all in the interview. So to me, that's the only tangible evidence of Aidan O'Shea potentially being a device figure. I would doubt it because, like you. Um, anything I can see and uh, anything I've heard maybe about the Mayo setup would that be that he's a, he's a the big, as big a team player as he could get and like as you said I think that that's shown through through his 
selflessness kind of over the years he's never been a selfish player in general but to be willing to sacrifice yourself play in different positions all for the good of yeah. the team um, and, do, and like I mean n- probably knows his limitations in that he's not a brilliant scorer and we'll lay things yeah, off I he's think not, so, yeah. it doesn't look like he's out for himself on the field yeah, now yeah. we don't know what happens behind the scenes but from evidence of what I see yeah. he's absolutely on the pitch a team player no um, 100%, 100% there's no doubt uh, Brian Cody is be, has been confirmed so there's a lot of managerial kind of appointments but Kilkenny won't be one of them so going into his 21st year in charge so he's closing in on Sean Boylan's 23 years with Mead which is a record so you'd imagine Brian Cody will surpass that because oh, like, I, I mean, so. um, Sean Boylan won any All-Irelands four All-Irelands with Mead um, Cody has about yeah. 44 <laughs> All-Irelands so like I mean Cody ne- Cody's not under any pressure he'll stay for as long as he wants to and um, I don't think anybody in the country has a problem, has no, a problem I don't with think that. So, so yeah. there's not much more. We we're not really going to talk about that. It was just I thought it was interesting that he's closing in on Sean Boylan. Uh, uh, Brian Cody being reappointed isn't really news. No, not really. Not really news. Johnny Cooper has been doing the rounds in the media. He's on all the websites, including our own. If you want to read it, and I thought it was interesting on Sports Joe. Um, in 2013 All-Ireland Final Johnny Cooper wore number 4 2015 he wore number 2 16 he wore number 3 17 he wore number 5 and 18 he wore number 6 now that doesn't mean he played in all those different positions mostly he was playing cornerback but it just it's just <laughs> Jim yeah. Gavin's just numbers don't really mean anything like that's incredible like in, even so, so maybe 10 years ago that would be Bizarre, oh yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. But this isn't even a big deal because Johnny Cooper is your man marking cornerback. He'll just wear loads of different positions. He'll play sweeper a little bit now as yeah. well. He's kind of evolved into that. But he was asked what position he likes the most, and I was surprised at this because uh, he played wing back all his career, as far as I know, until Jim Gavin uh, converted him into a cornerback. And he says he'd take the full back line. I like that kind of stuff. So I was surprised to hear he's just what Johnny Cooper has done is turned himself from a footballing wing back a footballer now a scrawny footballer into a fella that really enjoys the marking side of the game and wants to keep his man scoreless I remember reading an article about Rio Ferdinand maybe it was from his autobiography he started as centre forward and when he went back centre back he got no buzz really out of centre back because like the buzz is about scoring but he said over time his mentality completely changed and clean sheets gave him the buzz and dispossessions gave him the buzz and all this so Johnny Cooper has followed the same path as Rio Ferdinand and now he gets a buzz out of that uh, man to man kind of one on one I'll take you on and I'll try and keep you scoreless yeah, I'm just surprised that he said that he likes cornerback. I just can't believe that anyone likes yeah, <laughs> playing well. cornerback for having been there. No, of course. And it's good to hear because... Especially you, after playing wingback. Yeah, of course. Weird. Yeah. But you often hear these days that, like, um, you know, managers or players will say, oh, it's a different game now. You know, you can... If you're cornerback, that doesn't mean anything. If you were in number two, yeah. you could be at one end of the pitch. But, but you notice he stopped doing that. Oh, I, I know he has, but he it's has, good to hear somebody yeah, say that. Like, yeah, I know it is. Know. But it, I, that's the, he's evolved. And I always thought that Johnny Cooper almost player of the year form by getting up the field scoring points because that's what's yeah. eye-catching and he is he's given that up 
yeah. to really perfect the art of marking. Like, I mean, it's it's a strange one what he's after doing. There could be something that whether he kind of, as you said, he enjoys the the one on one combat, but it, it could be a thing that he recognised. Well, Jack McCaffrey here going to play a wing back, and I've you know brought the likes of Brian Howard who occasionally played their wing back, but the the quality that Dublin have in their full back line, and I, like I'm not saying that Johnny Cooper's not as good at them but going forward, but maybe he recognised that like, well, I'm more likely to get in the team in the full back line as I am in the half back line with fellas as good as that going forward. Yeah, no, exactly. And he's asked uh, what the, he says he has a bit of OCD when it comes to breaking down technique of defending. So he maybe over uh, reads it a little bit, but he says hand-eye coordination, fast footwork and timing are the most important skills in the art of defending. So he says, I just work on the pillars around it. So the footwork, the timing, the hand placement, the eye. Some people kind of find it boring with the intricate breakdowns of what happens, but I don't. I just try and break it down as best as I can and work on the individual components. Like I would find that boring going training and working on that kind of stuff, but I can completely see, right? So hand-eye coordination, obviously getting your hand in. Um, The fast footwork, I think, is interesting. The timing is obviously, like you'll tell any defender, not to rush in to wait because every four steps you have to bounce it or you have to solo it that's when you get your timing in and knock the ball away so the good defenders don't waste their energy slapping a ball because let's be honest how many times will a forward unless it's a really wet day you're not dislodging that all you're doing is getting yourself off balance for when they do get to play it so like I mean you have to be patient you wait until they play it that's your timing that's what he's talking about there that's the hand-eye coordination that's the timing the footwork I think is a little bit different I'd be interested to see what he means in that and I suppose it's just getting yourself into that position that you're close enough to him when he goes to play it so it's all about when he plays it and this is what Johnny Cooper is practising his footwork, his timing, all these things around it. How you practice your timing, I suppose, is just in one-on-one drills and things like that. I'd, I'd, li- I'd like to actually, because I've been out of the game since 2011, yeah. and in fairness, I, I didn't receive good coaching throughout my career. Any coaching that I'm kind of talking about now are things I would think I would do with players if I was a manager, yeah. because I often thought these are some things I would like to have been shown you have to figure them out in your own head I wonder whether when, when he says he practices himself but how, how much of that is practiced by the Dublin team as a whole or is it kind of individual one-on-one coaching yeah, or is it, it individual yeah. stuff that he works away from the training pitch yeah. I would imagine they work on a lot of that stuff they I have just time you see this is it he's talking because he was over with Saracens and he was talking about a lot of similarities in training and preparation mm. He said the obvious, the obvious difference is they have eight hours per day if they want. Of course, and, yeah. And GA teams. So when John, I think Johnny might be doing this on his own, or maybe they do just a, a technique-based session on a Saturday, yeah. and the forwards go one end, and the defenders talk about things that you know, and try and improve things. And yeah. imagine that's the level that the intercounty teams are at. Yeah, some of the best time tackles I've seen this year have been from Paul Mannion, and the, the, yeah. the famous ones where he kind of got back, but he disp- dispossessed them at just the right time, just yeah. as a man was taking a solo. And I know from being, you're, you're told that in drills, you're told like. Wait till the timing Wait. is right, but when you're in the middle of a when you're middle of the match, it's hard to execute it just like that. Oh, but it is. Well, Mannion can do it because he's so fast. fast yeah, like speed yeah. is a huge thing because if you can't stay up beside him, yeah, you're know, not going to yeah. tap it away when he but, plays it. But uh, like I, I, I get with the, the Johnny Cooper when he's on about OCD. It reminds me of um, John O'Shea tells a great story when he went over to United. Um, about realising the standard he walked out in the training pitch his first day he saw Gary Neville's shadow defending on his own so there was nobody near him but he was he was pretending as if there was a forward beside him and you know right. how he defend in that situation and I don't know how true it is but I, I know a guy who used to go to college with Johnny Cooper and he said that he used to bring around an O'Neill's with him 
walking around in between lectures and stuff like that to improve the hand-eye right. coordination and just to be used to an O'Neill's. Like, yeah. as I said, like, it could be complete bollocks, but yeah. it just fades, it See, goes this, yeah. well into this kind I of narrative. I think it's a part of visualisation maybe they're doing. It's stuff that I am a little bit too old to be entertaining. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about visualisation yeah. before, but maybe he does it, sh- like shadow boxing. Yeah. What the, what's the point of shadow boxing? You know, maybe he does it on his own like Gary Neville and he just talks himself through it and, and visualises yeah, somebody yeah. being there yeah. and all and that out, all that out <laughs> stuff. But anyways, this will tell you... Um, He's talking, see, uh, going around to rugby teams and trying to pick things up, and that's all fine. So he spent time with Saracens and Leinster. And I, I don't know what you're going to get from a rugby uh, team because, like, I mean, whether you like it or not, rugby is a very low skilled sport. There's only probably one or two uh, players on the team that are efficient at kicking, uh, that are skillful kickers, which is bizarre out of 15. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, half the team from one to eight you see them kicking a ball is just uh, like it's it's unless you know maybe Sean O'Brien can do it you know but yeah. in general ki- their kicking wouldn't be great so you're not getting anything out of them so like I mean this all sounds great oh well it was over to him and just trying to pick a few things up and then I'm thinking what the hell are you yeah, picking up yeah I know so yeah, then he gives yeah. an example <laughs> this is in the 42 so he gives an example and he says when they're throwing a pass to finish their fingertips towards the target just little things like that we could potentially use in the hand pass in terms of making sure the ball is placed um, on the man where it should be so like again like that's really like reaching now because in rugby you always use your fingertips to put a spin on the ball yeah. right so they'll follow through a little bit like maybe basketball where you keep your hand down you know when you throw a big long yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, well anyway it, it's a natural follow through with rugby and you're yeah. throwing sideways in rugby but like in GEA you're, you're, you're hand passing your natural follow through from a hand pass is going to follow through that naturally happens yeah. you don't, if you see a fella in front of you you don't, you don't uh, hand pass the ball and follow and through in a yeah, different direction yeah, 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 so yeah. I don't know I think you're, oh, you're, yeah. you're, you're, I question a little bit too yeah, yeah. You're, uh, try, you're, 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 at a, you're just trying to reach when you're tr- like, and I, go over and spend time see how the professionals do it and whatever but you can't, don't try and pick up skills from rugby when it's just I don't think they're, they're not they don't overlap it's, yeah it sounds like it's reaching a bit if you're going to take something from a f- professional sport take sort of like culture so that, that, that's kind of what like yeah. to be honest I think it's rug- more for managers to go over there and see yeah 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 but what annoyed me about that is that like nearly every GA team in the country now sweeps the dress room after matches because they all <laughs> yeah. so like if that's the only thing they're learning from a culture well then they need to kind of maybe expand their horizons a bit more but no like he's obviously like I suppose the, the important thing for Johnny Cooper is that he thinks he's gaining something from that's it that's exactly so in it his it's head. each to their own so like yeah. I can make light of it but that's neither yeah. here nor there he's five all Ireland's and it works for him <laughs> yeah. so like I mean, what the hell am I talking about finish up on the Dublin jersey here Connor because I nearly fell off the chair when I said I saw their 70 euros now this is their New Jersey I think they've had the other one for three years Eric Lawler told me in the office I thought it was a little bit more recent than that but he says three years and I loved the old I loved the jersey they just had the blue and white now there's no dark navy now it was a bit of a reach away from their traditional it was always dark navy in the Dublin in the Dublin jersey they're gone back to their dark navy but it's at the end of the sleeve and I just don't like it I don't like it thrown in there yeah thrown in there and look obviously Mayo came out with a new jersey these of it, these are scams oh, an unbelievable new jersey in fairness that is nice for Mayo because yeah. red and ye- red and green are n- is not a nice combination yeah, know, yeah, of colours yeah. but it's a cool jersey it's a bit of a rip off of the Kerry jersey I have to say but oh, at the same time it is cool Kerry yeah. jersey always, has always <laughs> yeah, been cool yeah. but it's 70 euros and it's getting nearly like the soccer now where they're that expensive and the the counties are going to bring out a new one every year well that's surprising that it's money three years three years I'd say that most counties will do it every year like yeah. what's the point what's, you get them sponsored 
you know you get a you get a name on it and I don't know like but I mean there'd be loads of people in Dublin buying the New Jersey I hate the shorts by the way they're two toned oh, shorts yeah, what are they the, doing yeah I don't like them either yeah. what are they doing with but, that but that's it it surprises me that um, it surprises me that it's been three years since the last Dublin jersey I thought that I, I thought it had gone that way already I thought Dublin had released the jersey earlier than that because it wouldn't surprise me if it goes that way to release the new jersey every yeah. year now we're not confirming Eric Lawler is exactly right <laughs> yeah. he has been wrong before Yeah, but, but he's it, a true blue dub and I thought that maybe <laughs> it's better than my, me guessing but even the reveals anymore have you noticed now that they, they don't just put the jersey no. out there see the video that Dublin went into the Dublin did a three day yeah. countdown yeah yeah, and they had the they did a close up of the stitching machine putting the crest <laughs> up there and everything it's, it's turning into turning into the Premier League yeah so. 70 euros you could if, if somebody gave me 70 euros for free a, a, a county jersey how far down the I list know, would that yeah, be like? as, I mean Jesus as. yeah I told you earlier as well ch- it's just for children really I suppose like I mean uh, yeah, because I remember looking year, a couple of years ago before an All-Ireland final for just something Mayo to wear because I didn't have any, uh, well, uh, the jersey I had was years and years old, so I needed something new. But all the all the gear, all the paraphernalia around it was €50 Euro and upwards. So I ended up buying a t- green T-shirt for €10. <laughs> yeah, that's enough. Feck it would be grand. At least you have reason to wear yours. You look a bit, I suppose, on All-Ireland final day, if you don't have the colours on, you're a bit of a dry yeah, of course, sh- yeah. It's like going to fancy dress just wearing your own wearing your own clothes. You're a bit of a dry shirt. that sh- guy, yeah. <laughs> you're that guy. Don't want to be that guy. I don't have those problems because Leash don't go get near All Ireland. Right, we'll come back with Leighton Glynn. I said, Are you going to get up or are you going to stay in bed? I said, We have a game there about half three. If you, <laughs> if you, if you wouldn't mind, if you wouldn't mind joining us. Star like didn't even go for the back. Took his line. Took his extra five minutes. It was like it was like the snooze button. Hit the hit the snooze button for another five minutes. Rolled out of bed. One seven that day. All right, so the Wicklow County Finals on this weekend between Ratnew and St. Patrick's. Leighton Glynn is going to be bidding for his 22nd championship medal. Yes, you've heard me right. 22nd county title, Leighton. He's on the line now. That must be a national record. Uh, I'm not quite sure, Colin, to be honest. Um, I think there could be a couple of guys ahead of me. Really? Um, yeah, I think there might be. Yeah, um, Maybe... A guy from Vincent's, I think, that might have Harlem football. And then there's certainly uh, a fella in Mayo. The name now escapes me, but I think he's up around a 25 or 26. So, Jesus. A serious haul, but... <laughs> it is, know. yeah. Well, you're not finished yet. Like, I mean, let's... Uh, you can easily catch up here. Is he is he pushing on, this Mayo fella? Oh, I think he's well... I think he's well done. I oh, he's done. Back in the 60s or 70s, yeah. Um, he was a dual player, obviously, to, to kind of gather up that amount of championships. You know, but ah, look, it's a good position to be in, and it's, it's kind of like goes to show you had a decent old club career, you know. Yeah, because like I mean, you've eleven football, you've split them almost perfectly. Eleven, you're going for your twelfth football this weekend, and you have ten hurling, and you're in the hurling final, so you could be adding two more um, this weekend. So like, it, like I'm just trying to paint a picture, like just to to be that consistent in both the hurling and the football. It's like it's a it, it's a great reflection on both clubs. Yeah, yeah, certainly, and as far as my kind of career has kind of coincided with kind of the most successful time of, of both 
clubs, you know. Don't be bragging so, now. Like, don't be bragging now, Leighton. It's, uh, I, I don't know if it's near the club. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, no, I'm lucky in that sense, you know, we've just had that, like, that kind of period that both clubs have done so well. And, like, it's a serious amount of county finals to be involved and never mind to have won. So I I appreciate how lucky I am in that sense, you know. Yeah, exactly. So you have St. Patrick's this weekend and I was just, uh, I I know all about Ratnew. I've played against she. Um, I don't know much about St. Patrick's. They've lost the last three county titles, but this is a big local derby. Like you're only out the road from uh, from them. Yeah, it's a parish. It's kind of both um, clubs are in in the same parish technically. um, You know, uh, St. Pat's are the town club and, and we're just kind of on the periphery of the town if you like so um, serious rivalry there to be kind of families you know that would interconnect through both clubs and that kind of thing and we would have had the upper hand certainly since 2004 but they would have had a bit of a coup in 2004 they stopped us for doing nine in a row right um, they haven't really we've kind of championship wise um, knockout games we've probably won since then till now and there would have been three finals two or three finals thrown in there as well as a few semi-finals so all to play for come, come Sunday like you know we know each other inside out so um, it'll be um, it'll be a, it'll be an interesting one yeah so that was it so St. Pat's have lost three of the last four finals and you've beaten them in two of them so like you said you've had the upper hand Correct. and it's Wicklow they're obviously the Wicklow town they're, uh, so they're the townies and you're the country boys coming in to knock them off their perch is that or you've already knocked them off yeah. their perch yeah, well, I suppose they're coming to knock us off. Yeah, Kirch, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, they're they're the town team and um, they're um, they're a tidy little team now. They're they're kind of brought a few young lads through, so we're under no illusions that's going to be a tough one for us. You know yourself as a kind of team that dominates. You know personally, they're from Port Leash. Everyone's out to get you. Yeah. You know, it doesn't. You have to be on your. You have to be on the ball every day. You go out, so um, we just have to make sure we're clued in. That's the thing, but like I mean, even mentioning Port Leash, Port Leash have dominated Leash football for a long time. But like Ratnew have been dominating Wicklow now since 1996, and like you're only a small little village. How have you managed to sustain it? I presume this is about your third team. You've been there solid since 1998, 99. Yeah, yes, I suppose since 99. But I think I think the success breeds success, really. And you know, we've young lads in the village there, and and locally that kind of see you know you see you coming back into the town into the village on the truck and to see what goes with winning a championship and we do celebrate them fairly well down down around <laughs> their way so they um they, they want to be involved and i think the key has been with rat new we've kind of always brought two to three young lads into the panel when they're kind of to train even before they start to play or, or make it onto the senior team and kind of encourage them to be involved and that's kind of a process that we've always done I suppose over the last 15 to 20 years and it's, it's worked you know So you won the Leinster title in 1999 you were only I think you were only 18 or 19 at, at uh, that two, A couple of years later uh, 2001 we won, we won the Leinster title we, be, we beat Nafina um, Oh that in, was it yeah No I got yeah, that wrong because Nafina yeah. actually beat us in the semi-final that year that was it it was 2001 Yeah 2001 yeah um, we played uh uh, three games actually to get into three, actually three in the quarter final against Dunshockland from Mead then we played Eden Derry we got over them in one game in the semi-final then played Nafina that went to a replay I think we beat them by about ten, nine or ten points after extra time the second day so that yeah. was a that was a Newbridge wasn't it 
That was in Newbridge and it was actually the 23rd of December. <laughs> the, it, was the day before, it was the day before Christmas Eve. Yeah. Yeah. So you... you, you yeah, they were, f- they were full of superstars. Kieran McGinney, Sherlock, Desi Farrell. Um, yeah, serious team, yeah. So you like your giant killings with the dubs anyways because last year obviously you weren't given a hope and have to hold my hands up on the podcast here we didn't give you a hope and I remember reading out quotes of yours before the game and you said we can only play our own game win on our own strengths I know most teams go out against uh, Vincent's and tend to flood the defence that wouldn't be our style at all and we were kind of saying Jesus Leighton you might need to change your style against uh, <laughs> against St. Vincent's but like I mean Leighton Glynn knew better than everybody else so you, you kind of like those joint killings Yeah look it was um, it was a surprise to everyone else and I can See everyone's thinking behind it, you know. But honestly, we we knew we were in with a show to be Vincent's. We had, we're, we're fortunate enough to get a good look at them because the few games were on Air Sport, um, their semi final and their final, and we just felt the way we always play. We tried to push up on teams and, and squeeze them and um, try not give that in away from kickouts and stuff. And we just seen teams sitting off Vincent's, and you know we knew they wouldn't be at the top of their game or wouldn't probably we're gonna treat even though they're probably saying in the dressing room you have to treat these lads with respect they're probably coming down thinking ah, this might be tight for 20 minutes here 25 minutes and we'll pull away Yeah. but um, we knew if we could st- as long as we could stay in the game coming into the, down the stretch the last 10 minutes you know then you put yourself in a position and we worked really really hard to get ourselves into that position and then we just got a goal at the right time and I think Vincent's just there was no way back for them after that you know yeah so like I mean that, that really is when Dublin can't be beaten at the inter-county level I think that result last year it just gave everybody in Leinster uh, you know a bit of hope that a club level the Dublin champions because Port Leash haven't been able to get over that line against the Dublin champions at all in the last 10 years yeah, no, no, certainly. And look, as you say, it gives everyone else that bit of confidence. Um, but you know yourself in club football, you, there is more shocks probably in club football than, than inter-county football. They're more common, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you know, pick the best team in each county in Leinster. Take out the dubs. Um, Port Leash when they're going really well. So anyone else then is even enough. So if you can, like a Longford team could come down and beat us and we go and beat a Mead team. So that wouldn't often happen in inter-county like a Wicklow doesn't beat Mead on any given day you know yeah. it's kind of it's, it takes a bit it's a bit more sparse if you like than that yeah no it is come here how's, what's the form like anyways are you, are you you're still moving well my sources tell me like I mean you, you finished up playing inter-county I think really young for you at, t- at 32 so like I mean has that benefited your club career now or do you think maybe you might have hung up the boots a bit too soon no, I can't, I don't think I did. I, I had a big, I had a serious think about it at the time. I, I broke the leg into well the ankle against Mead in the championship in 2013. Um, I got back. Um, I I couldn't play 14. I got back and played one year. Sorry, I, I got back and played. Came back and played football. Done another a year of it, and then gave up the football and just said I was going to give the hurling a year as it was kind of a shorter period of a season and then kind of prolonged the, the club career, if you like. And I think it's worked out. I, I feel a lot fresher now when I'm playing playing club football and club hurling. The only thing is, when you give up the county and you're a dual player, you're going to they expect you to do both then, hurling and, and football in club, you know. So yeah. kind of a catch-22 in that sense. But certainly the training load, just kind of uh, inter-county training these days is... 
uh, it's just crazy you know even thinking about what we've done as a fourth division team under Miko and I suppose the year we won the division four with Harry you know that commitment that effort kind of that discipline you have um, to be down around the basement division you know even when I think back I was going at times was it all worth it you know but it's just you enjoy it at the time and that was the main thing you know yeah it's kind of your way of life you don't know any better don't you yeah, that's just yeah, you just yeah. do it exactly and you don't think of it any other way but people looking in will go Jesus you're mad you know but yeah I was thinking maybe it was Mikko's training had you retiring at 32 uh, no no I can't blame it on Mikko <laughs> now. Like others, you know I know a few that did blame poor old Mikko but I won't blame Mikko <laughs> so, look you, you, you were there and you done it it's, it's, it's tough you yeah. know it's the toughest training I did through my whole career and I trained under tough tough managers at Rath News at the beginning because it was more old school and it was all about running but nothing prepared you for um, for Miko's running you know especially that them winter nights you know you just question your sanity sometimes running around you would and you you, you, al- you almost go into a trance where you've done two or three laps and you're like Jesus because he used to do it with us like he might send you for seven then he'd send you for twelve then he'd send you for three and he thinks this is kind of mix it up but you almost go into like you kind of switch off and suddenly yeah. you might be only one to go like I mean you're, I don't you start daydreaming but you, you get you basically you get yourself through the torture and I think that's what that's why he does it it's a kind of a mental test rather than and it does get you fit I suppose there's no science behind it yeah and that was it and Miko said it out straight to me one day he said um, it was just like a comment like I said Jesus Miko come on and he was like ah look if you, most of these boys won't be here in, in two or three weeks <laughs> and he was just letting me know like just go on there and get on with it and then you know two or three weeks the panel will be cut and we, we'll move on kind of thing and, yeah. you know that's, that's the way it was I think someone said to him one night was giving out and come on Miko change it up do something different and he literally did just say lads turn around and run this way yeah, run he the did, laps that way he did the same with us yeah he mixed it up by sending you in the opposite <laughs> in the opposite direction but the, the gas thing the gas thing with Miko was that that training was so hard but then he almost flipped the switch the minute the long evenings came in you just played football every night so that was that was like the opposite you know it was really enjoyable and that was it and I think that's what you, you know you knew that was coming you were counting down the weeks until the, the bright evenings and coming up to championship and like the, till the league was over and he was so not flippant about the league but when he was with us he never once mentioned about winning the league he just always from the start of the year who we knew we were playing in championship yeah. that's all he focused on yeah no he you was know, the same with I us I think that's alright when you're when you're in Kerry you know maybe that was just what people some people didn't get in our county about Mikko you know that's okay in Kerry because you will have enough just to sustain your league position in Division 1 but in Wicklow we kind of needed to go up the ranks True. Um, but Mikko wasn't interested he just wanted to go out on the big day beat the big teams and look it worked for, for the most part of his kind of stint in Wicklow yeah no I definitely the, the good thing about that was is that sometimes if a manager is shouting at you during the league he's no other level to go to then but you knew, always knew when the league was over now this the serious stuff and you know what I mean it's like you're going up another level and maybe that's another psychological kind of thing that he was doing which it, you know doing with us all that time yeah. that in the minute that league over that's out of the way now and now it's the serious stuff and suddenly then there was an extra kind of bite to training because it was championship time and maybe that was his his whole plan John Evans came ringing you when he took over for you to come back playing so you were nearly you were, you were, your arm was nearly twisted there was it? Yeah yeah I John John's a bit of a salesman he can <laughs> give a pitch you know <laughs> he's well able to talk as you know yourself yes. but we um, 
Yeah, I sat down with him. Sat down with him in McCredden and Ockram and McCredden Village there and had a cup of coffee and we had a good chat. We were there for about an hour and a half and so a little bit of think about it then but then he threw out the, um, maybe coming in and, and getting involved with the coaching end of it and, and as a selector, um, he'd be happy that way because I kind of, I don't really like going back, you know, when you've done something and it was three years out of the inter-county game and I was playing good club football but it's a different story given that commitment and with, with family and, and work and that kind of thing after three years of adjusting not doing it you know yeah so you, so you enjoying the selector are you selector selector coach or do you do a bit of work down, uh, down on the field or select, selector coach yeah um, uh, yeah look we're we're, we're, in a, we're in a place in Wicklow where we're, we're kind of a little bit of transition probably from Johnny's time that probably didn't go too well and um, kind of build a bit of confidence back up in the group and John was bringing in his, his ideas really professional now and, and you know highly thought of in, in Roscommon and Tipperary and he's bringing in you know his way and um, interesting been working with John as well like he's, he's an interesting fella so um, we're working hard we've probably don't have a massive group of players or, or that quality but we're, we're trying to build a team that can kind of make up for maybe lack of individual quality you know that kind of way yeah yeah no exactly getting a team but there's exciting times in Wicklow though right because like you've underage the minors were really good this year like put it up to all the big teams and a lot of work going on underage because John Evans was telling me he's trying to restructure the whole county whether that has taken foot or not yet um, I'm not sure yeah no he is He's and he's implementing a few good ideas but we were in a ridiculous situation last year and it's, it's, it's a kind of a classic GAA kind of thing it only happened maybe in the GAA whereas we 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 wanted to bring lads through to give them inter-county senior experience so we had five, six under 21s they were quality enough that they could make our team we were left in a situation with a rule that the GA brought in that they couldn't oh, play yeah. their own age group which is fine if you're a player in Dublin that you're playing at every level every grade but the Dubs don't have many they'd have one or two under 21s maybe getting under senior team the same as Mead so we couldn't play our five best under 21s at their own age group because we, we needed them for senior and you know it's kind of one of them rules that was probably rushed in wasn't proper taught out and here we are left you know five short for our under 21 championship because they played senior so yeah. you're kind of taking something away from them for being a good footballer, you know. And it wasn't you weren't burning them out or anything like that, you know. Yeah, no. Well, like I mean, a good few counties have suffered like that. Even Kerry sure missing the five seniors and the John, young yeah. Johnson fellow from Offaly who was the opposite. He was depra- he wasn't allowed to play senior. He was told to stick with the under twenty. So it has caused it has caused issues yes. in counties. But there is good. You were games development officer for a while there, were you? I was, yeah, yeah. I was involved there for uh, eight to nine years. Yeah, I think it was eight, eight, eight years. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, and, and there is, there was, you know, it took kind of a while to to get the team going regarding the squads, but we kind of have an independent group group that kind of work alongside, say, the county board, um, for where they're called the Garden um, County Academy. And we're starting to see the fruits of that now. As you, like we got to the Leinster semi-final there, Kildare beat us after a replay. The minors, and yeah. Have yeah, the sorry, the under 17s yeah. I've loaded yeah. through a lot of really good um, young players um, with a good setup. Kevin O'Brien involved and Garrett Doyle, one of the GDAs. Um, 
and them guys really performed, you know, and performed when, when, you know, it wasn't really expected of them early on. But then when there was a bit of expectation on them, they they played really well, you know. They were very unfortunate to lose the replay in Ockram. Probably should have won the first game in Newbridge, and then everyone seen how good Mead were at that level. So um, we're one of the young lads owned Darcy, you know, the full forward. He was given a, a minor All Star. Now that's unheard of in Wicklow. So. They are blooding, blooding the players now at the yeah. minute, yeah. And is there more, like the, like you said, there wasn't much expected of that team or you, you were expecting, or you, like, I mean, is there under-16s, under-14s? Is, like, a lot of this work that's been done underage, or would we expect Wicklow to come through with another minor team next year, under-17 team next year, or was this a one-off? Uh, they will be, no, 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 you're correct. Um, we Our problem in Wicklow is before, we, I suppose, with structures and other things was, that our problem age groups were coming when they were hitting 15 to 18. Now, maybe it's a plus was that they brought the age back to under 17, and you can kind of you can kind of keep them there, and you, you're playing a championship rather than waiting till that till they're, till they're under 18. Maybe that's helped us, but certainly we've we've a couple of good squads under 14s and under 15s that they'll use the same template to try to get to where the squad are you know right okay just give us an idea of your kind of weekly routine as a games development officer in in uh, in Wicklow because we know that they're connected with the clubs in Dublin and that seems to be the model everybody's talking about so but what, what would like I mean are you coaching the coaches in the clubs or are you not going near the clubs at all you're going to the schools what, what's the weekly kind of well well uh, I'm actually away from it now two years, but it wouldn't it wouldn't have changed say an awful lot. So I I left it two years ago. Yeah. Um, I'm in a complete different line of work, but it would to focus more now on the the GDAs, if you like. Um, the responsibilities will be to to get in and maybe it'd be more coach training, uh, train up coaches, coach education, um, coach education in schools. So trying to to build a coaching network right. per se and then they will they will filter down then into players so they work hard on identifying good coaches for academy squads and then one of the G- GDAs would oversee that plan for each age group and then with the under 17s where they went out and got a manager they kind of went out headhunted Kevin O'Brien he'd have the name in the county he would um, would have coaching experience he would have been involved with Ireland in international rules so then Kevin would have put together a good a good kind of backroom team for the under 17 set up so this is the the template that he had in place and in, in fairness they've stuck to it so I, I think they should nearly just replicate that again for the next four to five years and, and see where it can take us yeah well fingers crossed is going in the right direction I presume you left the games development officer when you became a selector with the seniors you'd be just swamped with, with GEA all day between training between games development during the day and then the senior selector as well you'd be driven demented it was actually, it was actually a year before it and, and I did you're right there the reason I left the games development was it was just getting uh, you know just fatigued uh, yeah. Mentally fatigued, mentally fatigued because you were going out maybe coaching in the mornings, probably going doing a, have a couple of meetings, probably doing a school team after school um, before the the lads went home, and then you're probably you're going out and putting on your boots and going club training. 
So eventually just something had to give and I was like, I just wanted a new, you know, something different professionally to go at rather than to stick at the coaching and games, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, come here, I've taken up enough of your time. So you're going for 22 this weekend. You're going for 23 the following weekend and you've plenty more years to catch this fella from Mayo who we're thinking is in about 25, 26. So another couple of doubles. You've only, you've, I was actually looking, I think five doubles out of the 11 and 10. So like, I mean, it's not, it's not happened every year or anything like that it's been kind of year on year off so a double this year I'm sure would be nice a many, sorry what a five or what a I, well you have 11 you have 11 football 10 hurling and 5 doubles that's my counting now so that could be inaccurate yeah no you could be in a row yeah, yeah it'd be nice to get 6 now yeah be nice to get 6 nice to get it'd be nice to catch this fellow in Mayo too right <laughs> whoever it is you might find out who he is for me I'm going to keep a, like a league table here now when I find out about this fellow in Mayo <laughs> come here Layton best of luck best of luck at the weekend thanks for All taking the call column. cheers yeah, somebody said it's as ugly as Marty Morris here for bots we probably in fairness he wouldn't know a penalty if it bit him in the arse I mean what is the point of this? They swear allegiance to the cult of Cairn. But I tell you what, you can forget about Sean Kavanagh as far as he's a man. Is managing Mead at some stage in for the rest of your life a pebble in your shoe that you want to get out? <laughs> no, I think I've got over that. <laughs> Have you? Uh, if I went to do that, sure, who'd keep managing Joe Bradley on the Sunday game? And <laughs> you couldn't expose the nation to him on his own, could you? All right, Connor. we'll look ahead to the games at the weekend. So there's loads of county finals on. So these, these are on Sunday. You've got the Down Senior Football Championship Final. That's in Park Elser. Um, and that's between Burren and Kilku. Kilku are going for seven in a row. So they've beaten Burren in three of, the la- of, three of those finals. Um, but they only beat them by two points last year. So that's a pretty big game between two of the really big clubs in Down. Leash Senior Football Championship in Amour Park. Um, Port Leash going for 11 titles in 12 years. Big news is that Brian McCormack is out. Um, Brian McCormack ha- won his first county title with Port Leash in 1999. Um, along with me, he came on as a sub that day. He'd be on, he'd be two years younger than me, but he's he's 38 now and he's still Port Leash's main man. He's an incredible club player. Um, is he out now or is he properly he's out? He's out. He went. He actually did try to appeal because I tell you what he did. Now this will tell you on the lower end of the scale. So he wins a free he's being tackled your man won't get out of the way so he kind of you know when you kind of push mm. your man he kind of pushed him in the face your man went down he got a red card uh. and he didn't get off the appeal they brought in the video evidence to show that what happened and he didn't get off oh, now you okay. compare you compare that with with uh, like you know the stuff that any happened any of the other, stuff, any of the other yeah. stuff we're talking about and <coughs> fellas getting off so that's a real disappointment so them sees are, they're playing O'Dempsey's and O'Dempsey's were back to intermediate about two years ago they beat the Port Leash intermediates with a goal a penalty in the last minute um, to get to the intermediate county final two years ago Okay, so. so that'll tell you what kind of challenge they have obviously yeah. not having Brian McCormack is a huge uh, blow to Port Leash but like let's be honest they should have enough um, to be able to win that um, Leitrim Senior Football Championship Final O'Willen versus Mole Hill um they won four titles in the last four years, each two each. Yeah. So that's a big one in Leitrim Senior Football Championship. 
Ahuilan. Is it? You're over that uh, west. Uh, you're uh, west. Uh, you're, uh, you're, can you pronounce that for me? I think it's Ahuilan. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. That's grand. I don't really know my Connacht uh, pronunciation. But if a fella from Inchimach can't uh, can't pronounce it, I don't know. Kilchimach. <laughs> Inchimach, wherever that is. <laughs> there could be an Inchimach in Mayo for all I know. But Kilchimach. Should have known that. It is a well-known place. Longford Senior Football Championship replay. This is Abby Lara versus Mullen Ahokta. This is in Pierce Park. Um, Robbie Smith, you'd imagine we'll be back for Abby Lara. Um, let's hope for a better final than we had last week, which was six all, which is beyond belief. Uh, right. Mead Senior Football Championship final. Dunboyne versus Summerhill. Dunboyne coming off that sensational win um, in the semi-final hammering defending champion Simonstown um, Dunboyne last won in 2005 they haven't been back to the final at all since so Dunboyne are slight outsiders Paddy Power has them 5-6 to six, Summerhill 5-4 to four. so that's as close okay. a county final um, as there's going to be of fairness Abby Lara Mullinahockta looks pretty close as well Roscommon Senior Football Championship you have that two of the real big guns there Clonagale against St Bridget that's in Dr Hyde Park um, for the first time in 21 years St. Bridget's will meet their neighbours Clonagale in the county final so two of the huge mm. teams in Roscommon and they haven't played each other that, that, that long Bridget's have won seven of the last eight titles Clonagale broke up that domination by winning in 2015 uh, Clonagale of Ulton Harney Donny Shine we know a lot about St. Bridget's already um, so that'll be that's another really big one so yeah. Clonagale are 4-7 to seven, Bridget's are 9-5 to five. so a lot of people thought Bridget's were on the way out after they won that All-Ireland it was an ageing team but they've obviously come back strong maybe not on a national level but definitely still well able to yeah. uh, dominate um, in Roscommon funnily enough we actually trained in both Bridget's and Clonagale in the last few weeks kind of during the weekend both Bridget's and Clonagale were training while we were we, they, we were training on different pitches, but they both looked in in decent nick. I I didn't realize I shouldn't should have known, but we we were training Clonagale. Why? Because they both have lights. You don't have lights. They both have lights, and they're both like Clonagale is five minutes from Atlone, and we had fellas come from Dublin, from Mayo, ah, okay. from Limerick, Galway, etc. And Bridget's is only five minutes from Atlone as well. Um, but with Clonagale, like the really impressive setup, but they have all their list of honors kind of uh, written on the walls and. Like uh, they won something like uh, won six or seven Connacht titles in a row. They, they lo- I think they've lost four all their finals or five all their finals. I think they lost four in a row. Or yeah, something, something crazy. Like that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they've good pedigree anyway. So they've good, good pedigree. One. They've good pedigree. That'll be a good one. So awfully uh, football championship final for Ban two to five five outsiders with Paddy Power Road five to two. They're the big team. Obviously, um, they're going for three in a row. They're a little bit like um, St Bridget's in that I don't think they're the threat in Leinster that they used to be. But they're still at the dominant, yeah. the dominant team in in Offaly. So, so the beat for Ban in the 2016 final by one fourteen to nine points. So I don't know how much for Ban have improved since then. They're going to have to improve a little bit. Yeah. Wexford Senior Football Championship kill an air, kill an Aaron. That's Matty Ford's club. Um, first is Shell Myler Malliers never heard of that club in my life I can only look after the West (laughs) (laughs) well if I'm struggling with killing Aaron I'm definitely not getting Shell Malliers right that's it I don't have much information on this in fairness the Wexford Football Championship is not of a high standard they never make any impact on the Leinster Club at all Um, Wicklow Senior Football Championship final Ratnew versus St. Patrick's we talked to Leighton about that already so we can skip over that then Carlos Senior Hurling Championship final Mount Leinster Rangers versus St. Mullins right you bet you know Mount Leinster Rangers more than St. Mullins because Mm. I've I do because Mount Leinster Rangers made the breakthrough and won a Leinster club um, 
in the last seven years Mount Leinster Rangers won three in a row followed by three in a row for St Mullins so St Mullins have won the last three in a row so they've knocked okay. uh, Mount Leinster Rangers off their effing perch and well Mount Leinster won it last year so Mount Leinster won it last year then uh, St Mullins three in a row then before that three in a row for Mount Leinster so that's a huge match in the Carlo and Carlo Club hurling is improving all the time Cork Senior Hurling Championship Final Middleton versus Immokilly that's in Porky Cueve Immokilly I'm okay with that one as well Middleton 2-5 to five outsiders Immokilly 9-4 favourites Immokilly are defending champions Middleton last won it in 2013 uh, Immokilly have Seamus Harnady Colin Spillane Paddy O'Sullivan they're an East Cork divisional side so they can't go any further oh, okay. um, if they win that so they won it for the first time in 19 years last year back in the final again Middleton have Connerly Han and Luke O'Kelly so they're decent as well so Middleton I presume will go on into the the Munster, Munster Club hurling outside of that uh, we have Dublin semi-finals Ballyboden Kilmacud they're evens Ballyboden evens Kilmacud 11-10 to 10 with Paddy Power St. Jude's against Vincent's Jude's are 1-3 to three and Vincent's are 3-1 to one. Kerry semi-finals are on as well Arguably, the Dublin semi-finals and Kerry semi-finals are more interesting than any of the other county yeah. finals that have come yeah. before them. <laughs> yeah. You have East Kerry versus Dingle. East Kerry, obviously, David Clifford, one to four favours to beat Dingle at seven to two. Kearns <coughs> Ratleys against Dr. Croaks. Kearns Ratleys one to five outsiders. Uh, or Dr. Croaks one to five favourites. Kearns Ratleys four to one outsiders. Kearns Ratleys have already beaten Croaks in the championship. Right, yeah. They came yeah. back. Tommy Welsh's two goals and everything. So maybe they angered Dr. Croaks, and that's where. Paddy Is your Power man Tony Brosnan playing that day against Kearns? I don't Ratleys. think so. Yeah, well. I think he came to the fore. Yeah. yeah. So keep your eye out for Tony Brosnan. If Tony Brosnan wasn't playing, this would be easy, even <laughs> money. He's a new sensation. And the last one I'm going to leave to you is the Mayo semi-final replay. I actually forgot the Mayo semi-finals on the show on Monday. Castlebar versus Ballantubber. Castlebar four to nine favourites. Uh, Ballantubber 9-4 obviously Castlebar had a man sent off didn't they in the last match uh, yeah but they hadn't been to be honest they hadn't been playing great before they got the man sent off I, you didn't really notice that they were down to uh, down to 14 for the rest of the game I think I think I do think Castlebar win I think Ballantubber had, even though Ballantubber equalised in the last minute with a free they were on top an extra time and I think they'll regret not putting them away when they yeah. had their chance and Alan Dillon absolutely dived to get that one of those <laughs> Did you see was it? that the last free in normal it was, time yeah, it was the last free in normal time of normal time, time. Yeah. outrageous <laughs> dive wasn't it yeah, but the yeah. reason Alan Dillon gets that is because he doesn't dive and he's yeah. a stalwart and he's respected so he's held That's off he's held his dive in his pocket for a long oh, time yeah, yeah. And, and he used it when he really needed it at 37 years of age and they worked the ball to Alan Dillon specifically to win that, <laughs> <laughs> to win that free in fairness to Alan Dillon he was, he was actually really good got on loads of breaks Right. Uh, for Ballantubber kind of wandered around the pitch uh, Jim O'Connor was outstanding at midfield at midfield I think he's a midfielder yeah what do you I think, think so yeah well he yeah well I think so I think anyone that kind of watched him underage would have kind of thought that that's where he's going to end up eventually uh, I think it just gives him a bit more freedom I yeah. think the last you're couple not of years ma- you're not married yeah and his engine is outrageous yeah. um, the amount of punishment he took and I'm not saying it was dirty or anything but like because he was on the ball so much on Saturday night he was at the f- end of a fair few hard enough tackles and it's all, always the case with Jeremy O'Connor that it, he goes down the ground you think oh that's him gone because he's on the ground for a good two I, minutes he, he, there is an element of theatrics with him though I think he makes the most yeah. of the contact and he, he, he maybe I'm being a bit harsh on him but he absolutely well, makes I, the most of whatever contact he well, gets well I think it's because normally it comes at the end of a 70 or 80 yard run and he's probably just <laughs> wrecked and probably just wants to take his time out on the ground so uh, no he was brilliant and he's playing midfield with uh, Jason Gibbons who has been in around the Mayo panel for a few years they're a really strong partnership so the first game wasn't actually great for half an hour the first half the second half 
match was really entertaining. It, the quality wasn't amazing, but the it was score for score, back and forth, and like there's some of the some of the best players in the county there. So um, I'd fancy Castlebar, but um, that'd be a good one on on Saturday evening. And quickly on uh, briefly because they're in they're already waiting for the winners in the final. Have they like they have been just off Castlebar, just not good enough to beat Castlebar? Have mm. they improved to be able to make um, this county final a bit better if it is Castlebar, or are there still a, a good bit off them? I, w- I wouldn't have I wouldn't have picked them out at the start of the year that they won the league last year but that was probably based on on their championship form but um it's it's hard not to kind of it's hard not to kind of count them in the conversation because they obviously have the three O'Shea's yeah. uh, Connor O'Shea's been playing really well for them this year uh, they put Aiden Aiden into full forward for the first half against Balladrine bomb ball on top of them yeah, he scored a couple of points too. but like everything came off him. Um, just men kind of picking up breaks and putting over scores and stuff. Aiden, so. Aiden O'Shea was talking about that during the week, just quickly before we finish up. And Mayo getting knocked out of the championship early has improved briefly a lot because the three lads are clearly very important yeah. to them. Centre back Seamus is full forward, centre forward, down the middle. That now he said he feels like he's a proper teammate of the lads rather than just landing back in. Yeah. And he's played about seven games with them, he said now, and he said that it's more of a team than it was. Do you know, yeah. and it, that makes sense. And you see Ballymon Kickham's and yeah. the struggle with all those great players coming back. Because they would have had um they would have had Robbie Henley as well. Uh Robbie Henley's been scoring loads of long range frees actually from uh, coming up from goals. Um uh, so whole kick out strategy is based yeah, off yeah, a goalkeeper that's yeah. never there, you know. Uh, Michael Hall who would have been in around the setup and uh Matty Ruan is one to look out for. He would have won uh, would have won an All Ireland under twenty one in twenty sixteen. Has been on a development panel since, but he plays midfield and has been really good the last few games as well. So I don't know. I I I think whoever the winner of Castlebar Ballantubber will win the final, but they won't be far off. Right. Okay. Brilliant stuff, Connor. Right. That's all we've time for. So thanks very much and good luck to our YouTube uh, viewers. See, you get an, an <laughs> intro and an outro, and we'll be back on Monday with the usual review show. We'll talk to you then. Good luck. Both pairs have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.